Hello, I'm Kyle Caldwell, and this is On The Money, a weekly look at how to get the best out of your savings and investments. Today, we're going to be talking about one of the big fears that a lot of commentators had at the start of this year, which was the R word, recession. As we move towards the final quarter of 2023, a recession has not yet materialized, but the jury is out on whether we will see the economy contract in 2024. Joining me to explain why the recession has so far been delayed and to also talk through how it's impacting the stock market is Sunil Krishnan, Head of Multi-Asset at Aviva Investors. So Sunil, heading into 2023, there were plenty of predictions that the UK and the US would enter a recession. But of course, this has not yet materialised. Could you firstly explain why the recession has not happened and why those forecasts have so far been wrong? Well, if we think back to the start of the year, I would say that for the US, it was an active debate. But for the UK and maybe for Europe, it wasn't even a debate. It was it was really a fairly popular consensus among investors and economists that we would be seeing recession. I think one of the really big drivers of what people were expecting was concerns over the energy crisis. So particularly shortages of energy, connection to the war in Ukraine, uh, shortages of reserves and supplies of gas in particular. And I remember there was a lot of discussion about potentially seeing rationing in terms of, for example, industry being told, you can't use energy, you're going to have to shut down for this part of the week and so on. That not coming to pass was a close run thing. I think there could have been situations where it would have happened. But the fact that it didn't, I think, meant you had this quite binary outcome that didn't turn into a really sharp break on the economy. I think if you also add to that some relief being provided by governments in terms of being willing to try and help out with the real sharp end in terms of rising cost of living, put those things together and just a little bit of good old fashioned animal spirits that people were a little bit more confident to spend. And that was enough to the Eurozone and the UK just keep us out of that recessionary trap. The big question going forward is, is the recession delayed for both the UK and the US or will it be avoided? What are your thoughts on this? Well, if you look at the evidence from the economic data over the last, let's say, three months, it's actually gone in slightly different directions. So if you look close to home at the UK, there are some signs that the tightening of policy that the Bank of England has been engaged in for a long time now is starting to have some effects. So we're now looking at year-on-year declines in house prices, for example. One that's very important for central bankers because it feeds into services prices is what's happening to wages in the job market. And they're just one or two signs that maybe the job market is starting to slow down in the UK. So there you would say the evidence that central bankers are getting what they wish for in terms of a slower economy is coming through. And that does tend to increase the risk of recession. And I think it's not unreasonable to say there's a, an even chance of recession as we head into next year. For the US, on the other hand, actually, the, the, the data has kind of gone the other way. I mean, there are one or two signs of slowing in the job market. But overall, I think it has really surprised observers of the economy how it has stayed intact and stayed in place. And even though, for example, in the manufacturing sector, confidence isn't great, but if you look at the services sector, if you look at the housing market, which actually seems to have gone through a downturn and is now coming out the other end, these are things that people didn't expect to see this far into a, a cycle of hiking interest rates. And of course, in the US, inflation's running at a much lower level than in the UK. Could you explain why that's the case? 
Yeah, I think you could think about it in two ways or with two drivers. The first one is the headline movements in inflation are often driven by underlying commodities like energy or food. And in that sense, the UK is a smaller economy, perhaps a bit more of a price taker in those markets. We also have a structure in the energy market where more of the price changes that power companies, for example, will face in the inputs get passed through to us as customers. So most people now know a lot more about the off-gen price cap than they ever wanted to in terms of how it affects the bills you pay month on month. So in that sense, I think the UK economy has been a bit more sensitive to rises in the global market for energy prices. Uh, the US has probably been helped there in, in a couple of ways. It is a much bigger producer of energy relative to what it consumes. And also, if you look at another commodity that's been really important, which is food prices, has been quite a big driver of inflation in the UK, not so much in the US. They are used to lower prices for food and a lower rate of inflation. So I think that's one important element. The other side is in terms of the job market. Both job markets have been reasonably strong despite the rises in interest rates. But maybe in the UK, there's been more of a sense of payback for past restraint when you've looked at wage settlements, both in public and private sectors. So perhaps a feeling that the reason people deserve a pay rise of X now is because they didn't get one for such a long time. And I think that's stronger in the UK than the US. And of course, in attempts to try and cool down red hot inflation, we've seen interest rate rises in both the UK and the US. But of course, the danger of these interest rate rises is that it could lead on to a recession. Do you think that's a possibility? Well, some people would say it's not a bug of tightening interest rates. It's a feature in that the way that that policy is supposed to work, if you like, the theory behind it is that inflation results from there being too much demand for goods and services relative to what can be supplied, forces up prices. And therefore, the way that higher interest rates are supposed to work is to slow down that demand. Maybe if you're a borrower, you don't have as much spare income as you had. If you are a saver, then maybe it's more attractive to save a bit more and spend a bit less. You put those things together, and it's supposed to result in lower demand. Now, of course, lower demand taken to an extreme where the economy actually gets smaller is the definition of a recession. So I certainly think you cannot rule out the possibility that central banks getting what they wanted, which is lower demand, doesn't tip over into recession. As I say, the latest trends in data maybe suggest that we should be perhaps more attuned to that risk for the UK, a little bit less for the US. But I think in, in either economy, it's very important for investors to be prepared for that possibility. What's your thoughts on where we are with these interest rates rises? Are we close to a peak now? If you're starting to see those signs of slowing in the UK economy, particularly in the housing market and the job market, which do have a bit of a connection directly to inflation, then I think it is reasonable to say there is a good chance that we are at or very near the peak. And indeed, if you hear latest commentary from the Bank of England, so for example, Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, saying, look, it's possible that we've done enough. Now, no central banker is going to leave a hostage to fortune and say, we've definitely done enough. I stake my career on not having to raise interest rates again. But I think they are being as explicit as they could be, that they're seeing the signs that may mean they don't need to do more. And obviously, the weaker the economic activity comes in, and maybe the weaker the inflation data come in as well, the less likely it is we'll see higher interest rates. The US is in a slightly different situation because of that stronger economic dynamic. The central bank has kind of gone on pause. The Federal Reserve in the US has, if you like, uh, um, reached a stage where it's skipped a meeting where it could have raised interest rates. 
But there, I think there is more of a discussion about if the economy stays strong, might they need to start again? I don't think we're going to be looking at the same kind of range of outcomes as maybe a year ago. The question was, will rates need to rise by one percentage point, two percentage points more? I don't think that's the range we're talking about, but it still might keep interest rates heading higher. And of course, if and when the recession occurs, you know, potentially next year, 2024, central bankers have the option then to reduce interest rates to try and stimulate the economy. And you're already seeing that. So in financial markets, there are financial instruments that directly take a view on what the near-term path over the next couple of years will be for interest rates. And what they're telling you is that they do expect a cutting cycle to begin both in the UK and in the US at some point next year. Now, the sources of uncertainty, the reason it's not absolutely nailed on is we don't know exactly at what point the policy will have enough of an effect on inflation for central banks to say, right, we really don't even need to keep interest rates at this level. That is a source of uncertainty. And perhaps for the UK in particular, where sometimes even when growth has been weaker, inflation has been a bit more stubborn, I think there will be a lot more waiting and seeing, potentially with interest rates stuck at higher levels for a bit longer. So let's move on to what this delayed recession has meant so far in terms of stock markets. For the UK stock market, it's been out of favour for a long time. Um, a lot of UK retail investors are not returning or not backing their home market. Is that having an effect? Is this delayed recession putting people off looking at the UK equities? I think there are a couple of things going on. One is related to the economic outlook and how it plays into the companies. And the other one is perhaps telling us a little bit about the changing investor base and what they want to do. So if we think about the economy... Undoubtedly, if you look at something like the FTSE 100, you have some big international components, but they tend to be a little bit more defensive in nature. So perhaps not so exposed to an improving economy, it might be healthcare or consumer staples companies. The domestic facing component perhaps is a bit more economically sensitive. So the banking sector or retailers. And if you put those things together, and if people are feeling, let's say, better about the US or about Japan or Europe, that doesn't necessarily put the UK stock market in a great position because it's internationally defensive, but domestically a bit cyclical. So there is that challenge. On the other side, in terms of changing investor base, the reality is if you look back 20, 30 years ago, it was pensions, insurers that were big holders of UK equities. And that's not really the case anymore. International investors have also pulled back a little bit from the market because they don't quite see the exposure to the hot names in technology and so on that they might see in the US. So what you're left with actually is a lot more importance in terms of UK investors, individual investors, perhaps some of your listeners who are much more important to the fortunes of the UK stock market. And what we've seen for the industry as a whole this year is that UK investors have been a little bit more cautious. Perhaps that's just wanting to build up a rainy day savings account. Perhaps that's needing to draw down to meet the cost of living. But in the first half of the year, flows in general into funds in the UK haven't been as strong. So that's probably been a bit of a headwind for the UK stock market as well. I wouldn't expect that to persist indefinitely. People need to invest for the future, but not surprising they took a break this year. And in terms of if the recession does occur, is it the more economically sensitive names that you would expect to be among the losers, you know, the companies that will come under pressure? Is it perhaps companies outside the FTSE 100 index, the more domestically focused industries and sectors? I think it will depend very much on how local or global the slowdown in economic conditions is. I think it is perfectly possible to see a tougher start to 2024 in the UK than maybe we see in some other regions. And I think if that's the case, then you would expect investors to be discriminating and to think a little bit more cautiously about domestically facing names, particularly in those cyclical areas like banks and retail. 
that said, we might have more global conditions and global challenges. And actually, sometimes taken as a whole, including the international companies, UK and maybe the larger companies can hold their own reasonably well, particularly if you see a stronger US dollar relative to sterling, then some of those more defensive names are actually what we call dollar earners. They're earning so much of their revenues overseas that when you bring those dollar profits back into sterling, actually the profits hold up okay. So that could be an interesting thing to watch for. As well as equity markets, a lot of investors will be keeping an eye on the bond market as well. Now, in times of a recession, bonds usually perform better than equities because as we mentioned earlier, during a recession, central bankers often reduce interest rates. And this has the effect of causing bond prices to rise, yields to fall. So in a recession, would you be more optimistic about the prospects for bonds over shares? It's become a really hot talking point for investors, really because of what happened in 2022. I would say for most of the period during and since the global financial crisis, so we're really talking 15 years now, Investors have been used to the idea that anytime you get a wobble in the stock market, expectations will quickly move towards lower interest rates. And that's good news for a fixed interest asset like the, like the bond market. So if cash rates are going down, people say, well, I can lock in to a higher rate of return in the bonds. That's what I want to do. And then we had 2022 when the stock market had its wobble, but because it was driven by inflation and concerns about higher cash interest rates being needed, it wasn't great news for the bond market either. And so there was a lot of talk about, is this the death of that balanced approach to investing between equities and bonds? Now, the good news about bonds is that periods of weak performance tend to lead to higher yields. So in other words, that forward-looking rate of return tends to go up. And I think that's exactly what we've seen. If you compare the kind of interest rates on offer in longer-term bonds now compared to what they were two years ago, it's been a big improvement in terms of expected returns to investors. If you add to that that, yeah, interest rates might move a little bit more, but they won't be subject to the same kind of uncertainty as we were seeing a year ago, put those things together, then I do think it's perhaps time for a return to a more conventional way of thinking about bonds as a good, if you like, growth hedge. If equities are disappointed by weak profit growth, the bonds come to the rescue. So I think in that sense, when we're building multi-asset portfolios, we're seeing perhaps a more important role for bonds now than we were a year ago. My thanks to Sunil and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a rating or a review and follow the show in your podcast app. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about it too. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you would like to talk about via email on otm at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers and how to get the most out of your investments on the Interactive Investor website, which is ii.co.uk. See you next week.